This is Molly Patrick, and you're listening to episode 44 of the Clean Food Dirty Girl podcast. All right, check it out. Have you ever been in the situation where somebody who you know and love is going through a hard time, and you're not quite sure what to do or say about it, and your knee-jerk kind of reaction to this person's emotion or discomfort or whatever is to try to fix and try to brainstorm solutions and try to offer to change something for them or uh, maybe offer, you know, varying opinions on what they could do to overcome how they're feeling so that they can feel better quickly. We've all done it, right? I've, I've certainly done that um, plenty of times. And What I've learned is that when we have that mm, kind of response to somebody else's emotion in which we want to fix or change or alleviate the suffering of somebody that we love, it, it, it makes sense that we want to do that. But if you really look at it, what's happening is we aren't fully comfortable being present with somebody else's emotions that may be challenging or difficult for them. And so that makes us uncomfortable and our response to it, our reaction to it is to change it so that they feel differently so that we can then feel differently. And so this is what, what happens a lot. I mean, I used to do this all the time, like a friend or Someone in my family would come to me with a problem and I'm like, all right, what are we going to do to fix it? Let's see what we could do. You should definitely do this. You should stop doing this. If you just do this, that'll, that'll make it all better. Um, and I know that, you know, for, for, for most of us, like we, it's all very well-intentioned and we may have some awesome ideas and we may have some very practical, good advice to give to people. But here's the thing. A lot of times when our family and friends come to us with something that is on their mind or something that is hard for them, like humans really want to be heard and just acknowledged. And so when somebody comes to you with a, you know, and is sad about something, like if they aren't specifically asking for your help or for your advice, I've learned to like not give it, right? And just hold space for that person and allow that person to go through whatever they're going through while I'm there and just being present with them. And and I think that that's what a lot of people need. Um, But I think that that can be challenging when you yourself aren't comfortable with being present with um, emotions. Maybe you're not comfortable being present with your own emotions, right? And so being comfortable with somebody else's emotions that are like challenging emotions um, are, are, are difficult. And so I get it, right? This is, we're, we're all human. And like, I don't think there is ever the perfect, perfect thing to say to somebody who is going through something challenging or the perfect way to show up. I don't know. I think it can be 
can be tricky and we're all kind of like this work in, in progress. But I do want to share with you a little story that my mom told me recently. And I thought that it was a beautiful example of <clears throat> holding space. And I'm really hoping you can't hear my cat meowing right now because Sweet Pea is downstairs. I think she's wanting in and the door is not open. I'm just going to let it go. <clears throat> and if you hear Sweet Pea, that's just her saying hi. Okay, so some of you may know this depending on how far back you go with me and with Clean Food Dirty Girl. But my oldest sister, Kirsty, has stage four metastatic breast cancer recurrence. And she was diagnosed with this in 2018. <clears throat> and so she has gone through a lot of treatment. Um, she has done very well with her treatment plan that she has uh, received from her oncologist. And there's been some ups and downs, but she's really, really kicking ass. Now, last week, she had a set of uh, scans and CT scans, right? Like, like she does often. And something came back. There were some lesions on her liver. And she went in to see her doctor the next day after her scans. And her doctor, her oncologist, was pretty convinced that this was um, her metastatic disease spreading, right? So he was pretty convinced that this was cancerous. And he had a whole chemo plan lined up and he kind of said, okay, well, this is what we can expect from the chemo. There's going to be these three drugs. He kind of gave her the schedule. He was going to take her off the current drug she's on. And he said, but before we go forward, we have to take an MRI of the liver just to confirm that it is what I think that it is. And so this was last week. So I don't know if you've, if you've had people in your life or if you have had yourself um, cancer or being close with somebody in your family who is going through this, but always those scans for me anyways, um, and going through this with my sister have been the challenge, most challenging for me. And that's very selfish to say probably, but, um, because obviously it's nothing compared to what she's going through with these scans, but as part of her support system, um, the most challenging part, one of the most challenging parts for me is the scans and then waiting for the results. And so she got the scans. She got her scans last, I don't know, last Thursday or something. And then, or no, last Friday. And so it, when we talked with her on Tuesday, she kind of let us know that, hey, this from the CT scan showed this lesion and now she has to do an MRI on Friday. And it doesn't look good, according to her oncologist. So that is the phone call that we got on, on Tuesday. <clears throat> and so I called my mom the next day on Wednesday. And of course, this was leading up. She hadn't had the MRI yet. And I asked my mom, how, how are you doing? And she, I could tell that she was kind of teary and that she sounded kind of tired. And she said, I... I'm okay. I've had a rough morning. And I said, okay, tell me about your morning. And she said, well, I was doing my yoga like she does every morning. And she does yoga and meditation. And after my practice, I just sat on the couch and I just broke down and I just kind of lost it. And I just started to cry. 
And she said, your dad came out of the bedroom and sat next to me and put his arm around me. And I just put my face in his chest. He's topless, right? He just has boxers on and put my face in his chest. And I just sobbed. And, um, she said, I, there was like snot coming out of my nose and there were tears and everything was going on his chest and going down to his belly. So there was like snot on his belly and he sat there and he just continued to put his arms around me is what she said. And I said, I said, Oh, that's beautiful. I said, how long, how long did that go on? And she said about a half an hour. And as I was listening to this, I had the picture in my head of the, the two of them. And when she was, when she was done, she kind of got it together. Okay. She, she went to go get a, a tissue and blew her nose and wiped the snot from his chest and his belly. And she was on the couch and she just was able to like lift up her head and like getting it together to <clears throat> kind of do whatever she was going to do next. And, and sort of having that wave of emotion come as they were sitting there, my dad looked at her and he said, do you want me to take the sheets off the bed? Is it laundry day? And she just smiled and she said, she just laughed. And she, th and she said to me, like, it was the perfect thing because he just allowed her to be experiencing whatever it was, whatever it was that she was experiencing without trying to make her feel different, without giving her any like platitudes, right? Without giving her any like, hey, let's look on the bright side or hey, it's okay. We don't know what's going to happen yet. Like, hey, do you want some water? Or hey, can I go get you something? It was like he... All he did was sit with her and just put his arm around her. Even when there was snot dripping down his chest to his stomach, he didn't get up to go get a tissue. He didn't say anything about that. He didn't offer any advice. He didn't do anything except for hold space for his wife, who was experiencing a really strong emotion. And that to me, when she told me this story, I said, that's what holding space is. That's it. It's just being able to be strong enough and brave enough and courageous enough to sit with somebody, no matter what they're going through, and not trying to change it for them, not trying to change it for yourself but just allowing it to be whatever it is until they feel like, okay, I can breathe on my own again. And when it was all said and done, he was just curious about the sheets. Should he take the sheets off the bed? <laughs> and I wanted to share that with you because it was a really good reminder for me of what holding space looks like. And... It's a reminder when, when somebody comes to me who, you know, you know, I'm a life coach for heaven's sakes. Like I, I am always 
interested in learning more about being able to hold space effectively for another human. But more than that, I mean, just even with my wife and my family, my sister, my sisters, my mom, my dad, my friends, you know, my, my community. And just a reminder that, hey, when somebody comes to me and is having a hard time, they don't want to be fixed. They don't want a solution. They just want to be heard. And they just want to know that, like, I got you. And you don't need to change anything about what you're experiencing. Right? And that you are validating how they feel by not trying to change it so that ultimately you can feel better. Right? That's the thing. Because when we try to change somebody, we ultimately want them to change so that we can feel better. But if we take our needs and wants out of it, then we can just allow that person to just show up authentically, show up in all of their messy humanness, in all of their raw emotion. And, and, and it's okay. We can be strong. We can do that. We can hold that space. We don't have to change them or offer them some really good solutions, or come up with a brilliant plan. Even if it's a really good idea, who cares? People don't want to be fixed. People want to be heard and held. And so that's what I wanted to share with you. And um, it's a visual that 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 is in my head now. And I'm really glad that it's in my head. And I really thank my mom for sharing that with me. And I really thank my dad for being, you know, a man who can, who can hold space. So <clears throat> to follow up with that story about my sister. So she goes and gets the MRI on Friday. And <clears throat> she said that, you know, when it comes to stuff like this, she usually hears back fairly quickly and so she took a nap. <clears throat> Let's see, she had her scans at 10, her MRI at 10 a.m. And she went home and she took a nap at about 2. And then when she woke up from her nap, she woke up with an email saying that her results were in her client portal. And so she looked and it turns out that the lesions on her liver are not anything to do with cancer. They are a very rare and benign thing that has shown up having to do with years of taking birth control. It's not an issue. It's not cancerous. Nothing needs to be done. And she called us after she got the results and let us know. And we all just oh, kind of all took a collective sigh of relief and, you know, cried with her and kind of celebrated. And, um, and I asked her, how, how are you feeling? And she was outside on her porch when she called and she said, I'm just looking outside at the sunshine and feeling the breeze on my face. And I'm looking at my dog and I, I'm just soaking up every bit of life. And I just feel like Everything is just such a, everything was so heightened for, for her, you know, after getting that news. So, so it was, we got good news last week. 
scary news and then ultimately good news about that. And she's and she continues to do really well. Um, so she's kicking ass and um, that's the update. And I and I know that I don't know for some of you listening, you remember when she first got diagnosed and I sent an email out about it. So I also not only wanted to tell the story of my dad holding space um, and give you that example of of what holding space can look like, but I also wanted to give you an update on my sister as well, because I know a lot of you were really cheering for her and rooting for her and sent a lot of really sweet emails. And um, so I wanted to thank you all for that and give you this update too. So, okay, the takeaway is you don't have to change anybody. It's not your job to change anybody. And most of the time, people aren't asking to be changed. They just want to be heard and held and feel safe. And um, we can do that. It, it's, sometimes it's, if you're not used to this, it can be more uncomfortable to hold space with somebody than it is just to try to solve. I think it can be kind of easier to get in there and be like, oh, well, here, what could we do about it? You know, than it is just to let snot go on our chest and our tummy when somebody is bawling. It takes courage, but like Glennon Doyle says, we can do hard things and uh, we certainly can. So I hope you have a beautiful afternoon or morning or night or whatever, whenever you're listening to this. And uh, I will talk to you next time. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoy this podcast, I would love it if you could rate and review it. That would mean a lot. And if you want to learn more about our whole food plant-based meal plans, head on over to our website, cleanfooddirtygirl.com and check them out. You can also pick up a ton of plant-based recipes and resources and get inspired to celebrate human imperfection because none of us are perfect. None of us promise. And isn't that a relief? Oh my gosh. Okay. Have a beautiful week and I'll talk to you again soon. Dreamer, come along.